Psalm 84, and I want to read verse 1 through 4. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, and yes, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. Notice what the psalmist says. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Hmm. Hmm. Even the sparrow, a worthless bird, has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my king and my God. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell, who abide, who live in your house. They will still be praising you. They will still, I know that's not gr grammatically correct in our term, but they will still, the psalmist looks futuristic. He looks over the mountains, over the mountain range. He looks into the horizon. He looks down the road to the future, and he says something about people who stay in the church. I was young, but now I'm old. And one consistency I've seen, they will still be praising you. And then there's a very interesting word. What does your Bible say? It says salah. Anytime you see the word salah in the Bible, it means to pause, to meditate, and think about what you just read. Let's try that one more time. Pause and to meditate and think about what you just read. I want to talk for the next 15, maybe 20 minutes, planted for his pleasure. Planted for his pleasure. Let me say it again. Planted for his pleasure. And for the next few moments, evaluating my attitude and my actions toward the house of God. Evaluating my attitude and my actions toward the house of God. Uh, before you see it, just look at somebody and say, planted for his purpose. All right, come on, turn around, just look down your row. Planted, uh-huh, for his purpose. Now, one more time, just say planted. Keith, please take your seats in the presence of the Lord. I'm so glad to be in this teaching space, and be honest with you, I'm really super excited about being where we're at right now. When you all see the parking attendants, please give them a high five on the way out. Those guys are doing a great job, and man, everybody wants to volunteer being on a parking attendant today and, and yesterday, but man, when it get 15, 20 degrees outside, that may be a whole different story, all right? But we're going to really see, but thank God for the parking attendant, those men. Um, today, uh, the church next door, which is a different culture type church, good people, we met the pastors, and we've had a couple of huddles already talking about logistics and traffic and this and that, and then there's another church that meets in a eating uh, uh, banquet hall space, nice guy, nice pastor, right? And, um, but next Sunday, it's going to be a little different atmosphere. There's going to be a lot of cars going a lot of different directions. And so we ask and pray that you please, please, please follow the directions. Look for the purple. There'll be purple cones, purple toboggans, purple hoodies, and vests. And you will know that you're at the right place, City Church, North Lake. Amen? All right. Hey, real quick, let's welcome this wonderful drummer and the wonderful guitarist. Amen? These are two new team members. Bless you, man. Man, listen, not only do you sound good, you look good. 
you look good. I, I like looking over at masculine men who can play the bass guitar, man. God bless you, my friend. Welcome today. Glad to have you. Brother Mark, great decision, man. I can't wait to eat some chicken wings and catch up and find out who these guys are all about. You know what I'm all right, man. But listen, excellent. We're looking forward to fellowship with these guys even the more, all right? So Psalm, here's what we know about Psalm real quick, real quick, Psalm. I would love to attribute this to David, but the Bible won't let us. The Bible says that this Psalm 84 is to the chief musician on an instrument of Gath. It is a Psalm of the sons of Korah, the sons of Korah. Now, you may not think that's a big deal, but we're in a teaching environment, and we, we might as well go ahead and get accurate if we're going to be in the Word of God. I would love to say this is one of David's popular songs, but this is not David. This is one of the sons of Korah. Korah was part of the Levitical tribe. He has a musician's background. He's writing and saying, hey, run this over to the band director and say, I want to put some words to the music that you already have going on. And this church boy, I hate to use the word boy, but this churchman, he displays his attitude about the value of the church. And I'm going to say this about three times before I take my seat. And you've heard it before. Most of you all who played sports, you heard it in sports. Some of you all who were in high school or junior high, you were competing on, uh, you know, debate teams or maybe you were in certain uh, extracurricular programs. And you always hear that your attitude determines your altitude. Is that right? Your attitude determines your altitude. It is not so much how you think or what you think is what you do with what you think and how you think it. Because the truth of the matter is, as a man thinketh, so is he in his heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what you think about, maybe this is why the Bible reminds us, think on these things. The word think and the word thank really come from the same root word. So you really can't think without thanking God. And it's really hard to thank God without thinking about the things he's done for you. Whole nother message. But, 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 but he talks about the house of God. Why is this important 2023 out of the gate? I believe if you're going to be highly successful this year, I believe that if you're going to see things happen in your home, your family, your, your marriage, your children, your business, your ministry, I really believe that it's all going to be traced back somewhere, somehow, to the house of God. In the Old Testament, New Testament, for the last 2,000 years, you see this continuum and this consistency that people often got blessed continually, no matter their background, no matter their education, no matter their pedigree. But there was one thing in common. They had this affinity for God's house. And would it not be interesting that that's something, the very things that the enemy would attack? The very area that God wants to bless and make a pathway for you, oftentimes it's the very thing that the enemy uses as a counterfeit to keep you distracted. Uh, let, me, let me say it this way. And I know most of us in the room, and please understand I'm ministering to you all, but I'm also talking to an online crowd. Because there's a lot of people on the online crowd, they're tired of church. They're fed up with church. And they don't mind going to Bank of America Stadium like I did a couple of weeks ago when it was like 16 degrees outside. Broke a world, and I broke a record for Bank of America and the Panthers, coldest game in history. And, well, we was out there, too, 
right? We, we don't mind uh, uh, going uh, to Walmart at, 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 at you know, 10 at night, uh, right after Thanksgiving with, with Black Friday sale and stay in line so we can get a PlayStation and, and, and get this or that, and it's cold and raining with an umbrella. We don't mind, my God. We'd have fell in love with somebody, and, and we talking 3, 4 in the morning, uh, whispering sweet nothings in their ear, and, 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 and uh, what you doing? I ain't doing nothing. What you doing? I'm just here listening to you doing nothing. Uh, we, but when it comes to the church, we come up with all of these reasons and excuses. I just want to talk for a moment, but and I know I'm not talking to you all in the room because you're here, right? But what is your attitude towards the house of God? I mean, honestly, think about it. For many of us, it's a tabernacle. It's a temple. It's an assembly of people. It's the local church. But unfortunately, and I wish I could kind of scathe my way out of this narrative, but unfortunately, worldwide and across our country, and particularly in our communities, the church has become a skeptical place, a skeptical place. It's become a place of the fake and the phony and the fickle, superficiality and sensationalism. The church, which at one time was the bedrock, particularly of the black community, nothing happened in the community had it not been ran through the church. Nothing happened, period because of the, 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 the gravitas and the grace, but yet the stalwart strength of the church. But now, we're the laughing stock. We make millions of dollars for Tyler Perry and every other producer online and TV because they make fun of what we do with our tongues and what we do with our, 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 our hypocrisies and our lifestyles in the church. There's a quote I wanted to read, and, and, and I think it's very interesting. It comes from a theologian named W.W. W. Wiersbe. Some of you probably have books by him at home, don't even realize it. But here's what he says about the church, particularly as it relates to the criticisms we often give the church. Quote, there are many people who criticize the church for not changing the world and solving the economical, the political, and the social problems of our society. What they forget is that God changes his world by changing individual people. History shows that the church has often led the way in humanitarian services and reform. But the church's main job is to bring lost sinners to a savior. Everything else is a byproduct of that. Proclaiming the gospel must always be the church's first priority. Let me say that and say it this way. When you look at Jesus, particularly Matthew chapter 9, the Bible says that he went to about from every city, town, and village preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel, and healing the people. That was his, that was his motive operandi. That was his main thing. Here we are 2,000 years later. The church is more involved with barbecues and bingo games and all type of bulletin boards than anything but the gospel. We get involved with all of these social and civic and other matters of community. And there's nothing wrong, by the way. Don't get me wrong. Uh, oh, see, see, this is why you got to pray for me while I'm pastoring and preaching. Because uh, thoughts go to my head while I'm talking. And I'm trying to figure out, what in the devil can a pastor talk about selling weed in the church? I hadn't preached in a while. I might well go there because I hadn't had the opportunity to say this. But we have, uh, you know, uh, 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 for a pastor, for a church to say nothing wrong with cannabis and growing it to employ black men. Listen, first of all, uh, if black men can't get a job at Burger King, McDonald's, or Walmart, they're not going to get no job nowhere. Because the truth of the matter is, they don't want to work. I, I, I told someone the other day, I have never seen so much laziness in my entire life among people. 
When I was growing up, we looked for ways to make money. I don't care if it was cutting grass. I don't care if it was taking bottle tops back to the store, collecting bottles. We looked for ways to make money. Nowadays, I don't know if it's the PPP, the POO, I don't know if it's the SBA, whatever's gotten into our generation, nobody wants to work. Now, I'm not being insensitive when I say this. I please, please hear my spirit when I say this. I do believe that we as the church should always give and support the poor. We should. But I'm not convinced that everybody sitting on the corner with a sign is, is really uh, poor. They say the average person who is a panhandler makes 25000 a year. Tax-free. Work on their own terms. But now we've got this mindset of entitlement and I can really go deep but I don't want to offend nobody but the spirit of laziness Bible says a little slumber and a little sleep and poverty will soon come upon you let me get back on target how do we get on that I have no idea but then this this thing called church hurt church hurt every one of us in this room has somebody who uses church hurt as a kickstand. They use church hurt as a crutch. It could be this church, it could be that church, it could be this church, be church cross street, church around the corner. But somehow or another, they have allowed that to become the cloak of their walk with God, as if God hurt them. God didn't fail you. Do you hear me? God didn't disappoint you. Man will fail you. Woman will fail you. Relationships here will disappoint you. But God is perfect. God will never fail you. In fact, he's sitting right there. So when your heart is broken, he's there to catch you. I'm not a basketball fan, but if I was, I wouldn't be no Hornets fan because they keep losing. And my feelings would be hurt. But guess what? I'm still going to go to the game. I don't particularly care for things, uh, uh, you know, I mean, good Lord have mercy. I mean, I was at North Lake just the other day at the mall, get, getting, buying something real quick, and guess what? Mall's still full of people. Folk got shot and bullets flying everywhere. 24 hours later, people still at that mall. But only in the church. Can someone not return your phone call in a timely manner, and you want to throw your whole religion away for 30 years? Somebody didn't invite your daughter to the, to the birthday party and, and, and now you twist it and told up about it and now you don't want to pray. What does you have in time with God and devotion and prayer got to do with your daughter not going to somebody's birthday party? The point I'm making is we have dumbed down so much to where there's no value in the church. Let me keep moving because I got to go on. So in Psalm 84, the psalmist points out several unique, exclusive, and unparalleled, unequivocal purposes of the house of God. May I just remind you just real quick, I don't want to take too much more of your time. The church today is still a place of worship. May I remind you of why you get up early on Sundays? All right, it's not just rehearsal, it's not just singing, it's not just seeing somebody's face, who got what on, who drive what now. It is still a place of corporate worship. It's a place where you can express and welcome and encourage people coming together for the worship of God. The sanctuary is an exceptional, exclusive, and special and unique place 
when you sacrifice, when you give, and when you worship. I really love with Psalm. Here we go again. Psalm 32, 7. Just write it down. Psalm 32 and 7. Notice, notice again, notice the attitude here. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. You can come to church on a Sunday morning, on a Tuesday night, on a Thursday, a revival, a shut-in, a conference, a concert, and I'm talking about feeling down as down can be. But one song can lift your spirit. One song can set you back into a faith motion. The psalmist talks about songs of deliverance. Number two, the church is a place of authentic fellowship and family time that can be nurtured. Look at your church family just like you look at your natural family, okay? We are not too far gone from y'all having Christmas time together, Thanksgiving time together. This past summer, y'all had reunions together. And ain't nobody in this room today going to tell me somebody didn't have no fallout at the family gathering. Somebody threw an ashtray. Somebody got arguing over some dominoes. Somebody got the last pick of cake and didn't tell nobody else. Somebody owed some money to somebody and then, then showed up. Somebody brought the ex-wife or the new wife to the party and the ex-wife showed up. Don't tell me something didn't happen somewhere in that family. You know I'm telling the truth. But you know what? They're still family. They're still family. They're still family. And guess what? They'll be back next Christmas. They'll be back next New Year's Day or next uh, family reunion. Shouldn't the church be the same way? How come it's one strike you out in the church? Even in baseball, there's three strikes, but in the church, one strike, we're through. It shouldn't be that way. The church should be a place where we nurture and strengthen one another because the reality is this, we're all fractured. We all are broken in some type of way. The church is the perfect place for imperfect people. And the minute you get high and holy on your holy horse, that you are holy and holier than thou, you know, God has a way of humbling you. <laughs> God has a way, oh my God, I wish I could talk this morning, but I better leave it alone. But God has a way of pulling the rug from under your feet and putting you back on your knees so you can be humble with the rest of us in the house. We're all here. We all have things we're working through. Some outward, some inward. Some family, some mental, some emotional, some marriage, some financial. We all have something. That's, that's really why we're here. We need God. My pastor, late Bishop Otis, like I said all the time, people don't need church until they need church. People don't need God until they need God. And we all have needs. And it's found in the church. Let me say this real quick. The church is a spiritual house for the spiritual homeless. And that's what we read in Psalm 84, verse 3. Even the sparrow has found a home, a swallow a nest for herself, where she can lay her young, and even your altars, O oh Lord, for you are my king and you are my God. Church is a place for grace. And this is what I really, really look forward to in this church. And again, I thank you all for being patient with the temporary construction zones and the paint and the, and the you know, whatever we're tweaking right now. Thank you for that. Because technically, it reminds us all that we're all here by grace. We couldn't wait to be perfected before we had church. That, 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 that'd, be, that'd be against the DNA of, of, of God's house. We're still being perfected. We're still growing little bit by little bit. By, am I right about that? We're all are still growing. So it, it's a place for, for those who need grace. What about people who need forgiveness? 
May I talk freely? We were warned before moving to Huntersville. I never forget having some really deep brain trust meetings. And, you know, one of the statements was, you know, Baptist folk, they can do this and that in that type of town, but we a little different. Maybe a, little, maybe, maybe a struggle. But we kind of said, yeah, we're going to be all right. We're going to make it. We'll make it, blah, 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 whatever. And that was years ago. Well, Huntersville, particularly in that pocket, we had outreaches, and some of you all remember, we had hundreds and hundreds of free food. No one would show up. Plates, no one would show up. We partnered with certain people, and we had more food, and we didn't know what to do with it. We had toys and bicycles, and because it was in a small pocket where there was really no need. No need. And that became confusing at times. And certainly there were so many other factors that we were grappling through, the truth be told. But one of the things that brought joy and excitement about coming back to Charlotte, particularly in this North Lake area, and that's before the pandemic, that's before COVID, is that we're about to jump back into the epicenter of real need. And I want to make sure our church is ready for those who need forgiveness. I want to make sure the atmosphere is right if somebody walks in and they don't look like us, smell like us, talk like us. I, mean, I want to make sure that we don't duplicate who we may have been back at early, early old Concord Road days when folk were being their sisters and brothers of church and they were still strung out, strung out on crack. And they, you could tell, but yet we would turn our nose up at them and tell them where they could sit, where they couldn't sit. I want to make sure that we're not that type of church no more. Right? Because there's no telling who can walk off the street and say, I just want to hear something about the Lord. I want to make sure that this place is a place that has been bathed with prayer so that mercy, grace, long-suffering, redemption, and healing can be found in the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm almost finished, but I need you to understand where we're at this morning. You are all the first fruits of a generation of people who are on the way. But they're not coming ready-made. They're not coming already perfected. There will be some folk coming after a painful divorce. Do we have any oil for them? There's going to be someone struggling with their sexuality, and it's going to be blatantly seen. Do we have any oil for them? Okay? What about the man or the woman who just feels like they're the cast me out, and they've arrived, and they're driving their name brand this, and they're wearing their name brand that, and you can't tell them a thing about nothing, but yet under the conviction power of God, they begin to shake with contrition and brokenness. Will we be there to help harvest them and disciple them into what a man of God or woman of God ought to be? Because discipleship is dirty work. There's no sanctified, recycling, easy, clean Christians. It takes time. It takes effort. And it takes long-suffering. The place, the church is a place for God's presence, his power, and his purpose. Psalmist goes on to say, Psalm 84, verse 11, for the Lord our God is a sun and shield, and he gives grace and glory. Psalm 84. Psalm 26, 8. Here's my, one of my favorite verses right here. He says, Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. I know it's a former bounce house for kids, it's a former party house for kids, but now it's God's house. And for the next five years or plus, it's going to be God's house. For the next foreseeable future, this becomes the place of his glory. And I need this to be open just more than Sunday mornings. 
I pray that there's youth events and the, the young adults have their own unique services. I pray that the seniors, seasoned saints have their own time throughout the week. We don't want this to be one of those places. Because see, again, that's, that's what Huntersville did for us. It shriveled us up and put us into a certain department for the last several years. And the church should be open seven days a week. I mean, we're paying the bills, so it better be open seven days a week. Let's maximize it and use it. It's the place of glory. I said last night the plumber came in to fix the toilet. He said, man, I, I bet I can make it, make it, man. The glory's, the glory's here. When the FedEx person shows up, I want them to wonder, hey, what must I do to be saved? The electricity comes in to do a while. I want them to be able to say, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I need to tell somebody my life story because I just feel convicted. This should be a place where God's glory dwells. Listen, have a encounter retreat right here. Let's have an encounter. Come. Get encountered. Have a penile experience. Rent paid. <laughs> Rent paid. Cut the lights on. Cut the music on. Let's go for God. We don't feel the weight that we used to feel eight, nine miles up the road. Psalm 63 verse 1 says this, O Lord, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Verse 2, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary. Again, Psalm 63 verse 1 and 2. Psalm 63 verse 1 and 2. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and to see your glory. Friends, give me five more minutes and I'll close. But you got to hear this part. You got to hear this part. The world is looking for God in the church. We can't afford to disappoint them. Man, we got some good music today. Man, we got a couple of great shake, shake hands, handshaking. Man, we got a nice cup of coffee. Man, they gave me a nice purple umbrella. And all that's great. And we need it all. But may people go home saying, I got God today. I got God today. God, God, God rescued me. He saved me. I felt the love of Christ. It was a genuine, authentic, powerful love that I could have never gotten anywhere else. I can't wait to go back to church. The psalmist says, I look for you in the sanctuary to see of your power and your glory. The house of God should always be highly respected, and it always should be shown in your attitude and your action. Bible says, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord, of hosts. My soul longs, yes, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh cries out for the living God. Let me pause right there for a moment so you don't think I'm just preaching at you. When is the last time you told the Lord how much you loved his house? Notice the words. I mean, here, here's the sons of Korah. Here's what they're writing. Here's what they're saying. How lovely is your church. God, I love your church. I love your church. We don't say that. You know why? Because we hate his people. We don't like the politics in the church. And rightfully so. We don't like all of the changes, and we don't like the, how they voted, and, and we don't like this committee, and they forgot this, and that's not my song, and, you know, he preached too long, or she preached not long enough, and he didn't study. We got everything going on. When is the last time you just woke up and said, man, I just really love the church? You want to get blessed in 2023? Fall in love with God's house. Have an attitude that says, you know what, man, my flesh longs to go to church. I know it's going to be a lot of amens, and I know it's, it's, it's hard to hear this because we've been so seduced into a comfort and into a, a casual 
a COVID, just kind of, you know, take it or leave it. It is what it is. Oh, it's old-fashioned religion. Oh, it's tradition. And we've just been backed up into this mindset of, you know, it's take it or leave it, come and go. But these psalmists knew something. They knew something. When I sing on the praise team, when I usher, when I'm doing hospitality, when I'm running these cameras, I'm giving something back because it speaks of my love for God's house. I'm not on payroll. I may not get an award. No one will recognize me, but I just love his house. Turn with me real quick over. No, you know what? Stay and stay in Psalm 84, but skip down to verse 10. Let me show you what this really looks like because we've heard this before, but it's not it hadn't registered until today. Look at, stay in Psalm 84. I get two more verses. Well, I, no, I don't. I get three. Well, okay. I got about five more verses of scripture, okay? Yo, listen, listen, what time is it? Oh, ain't it but 1025. Man, we just started church. <laughs> we just got here, right? All right, so, so come on. Let's, uh, look at verse 10. Everybody got Psalm 84, right? Everybody okay? All right. Uh, verse 10, listen. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be an usher, a parking lot attendant, a greeter, a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Let's keep reading. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and he will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. All right, guys, you know me. I got to stop right there. I can't keep reading that and not go dig a little, dig a little deep right there. That proves my point. The psalmist said, because of my attitude, because of my, and he didn't just speak attitude. He says, because I'm serving in the church. I'm an usher, but you know what? I'm a doggone good usher. You may look down on the job, but I'm the best usher on Metromont Boulevard. I can tell you right now. I'm going to usher with a, with a sense of, 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 of style. I'm going to usher with a sense of honor. I'm going to usher with a sense of pedigree. I'm going to be the baddest usher you've ever seen in your entire life. What does the Bible go on to say? He says, because of this, he says, listen, the Lord will withhold no good thing from me. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe the word when I read the word. I really do believe that if it's written that God meant that. No good thing would he withhold from me because of my attitude and because of my actions. Where? In the house of God. Let me give you three actions to consider before we close. Action number one, come to church. That should be an easy one. That's a layup, okay? That's an easy one. Come to church. Hebrews 10, 23. Just write it down. You don't have to turn there. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we must spur one another to good love, toward love and to good deeds. Let us not give up on meeting together as some. Would you ask your neighbor next to your neighbor, are you one of the some? Now, if they didn't answer you, that, that's probably, they probably are one of the sums, right? Uh, it says, let us not give up coming to church. Let us not give up meeting in our small groups. Let us not give up being on time to rehearsal. Let us not give up coming together, right, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. Go ahead and just elbow somebody and say, neighbor, you better encourage me. You better encourage me. As we see the day even the more approaching. Now listen, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but whoever wrote Hebrews has something to say. I know life gets busy. You're making a lot of money. You're shaking a lot of hands. 
You're really important now. But do not forget where your help comes from. Except the Lord build the house. Don't ever forget that. Your labor will be in vain. All right? I know you're early morning like a good hot cup of coffee like I do. But except the Lord watch the city. Your early morning awakening and staying up late at night pacing the floor will have been in vain. Is that right? Number two, be on time. Everybody okay so far? Uh, uh, I was on time this morning, by the way. Uh, Might have got here a minute early, but I was on time today. So number one, come to church. Tell your neighbor, come to church. That's going to be real in 2023. Because again, this post-pandemic, COVID casual and COVID comfort has done a number on our people. It really has. It really has. I was talking to somebody the other day. They said that downtown Charlotte is still not even full like it used to be because most of the major banks still have employees who don't want to come back to work. And I'm like, wow, they don't want to go to work making 70, 80, 90,000 a year. You know they ain't going to come to church. We got an uphill battle, I see. But see, thank God for B.A. Wells Fargo and all of the great banks, but they can't give you what God can give you. He is a son and he is a shield. Not only can he provide for you, he can also come around the backside and protect you at the same time. So when you put God first and you come to church, there's a joy, there's a value, there's a strength, there's something blessed that happens when you come. Well, I can stay at church in my own house. No, you can't. I'm tired, of say, I'm tired of people saying that, and I'm tired of saying, yeah, you're right, you're right. No, you're not right. You just can't have no church in your house by yourself. No, you can't. And quit telling people and making them feel religiously comfortable. Oh, I can just have church by myself in my house. Nowhere in the Bible do you see people having church by themselves in their house. The German word, let me just put a little Duke University on you. The German word is haustoffel. Haustoffel, which is the word of these house, a church in the house. But it was always in the gathering of two or three or more. But they had to have church because of persecution. Now today, you got people in China, people in North Korea, you got people in some of the different parts of the world who have no choice but to have church in the house, house toffle, because there's no public church gatherings because of the law. Here you are in the freest world, state in the world. Can go to any of the 800 churches in this city anytime you want to, and will yet again, because the church hurts, say, I don't want to be with nobody. Remember what the Bible says, the devil seeketh as a roaring lion whom he may devour. And he always goes for the one who's isolated, the one who's Mr. Independent, the one who's individualizing themselves. All right, stay with me now. A little leaven, the Bible says leaven the whole lump. You just don't wake up one day and say, I don't want to be saved no more and go to church. It's a little disappointment, a little distraction, a little agitation, a little sifting. Jesus says, Peter, the devil desires to sift you as wheat. Just a little bit here and there to get you off kilter and to get you off guard. Let me get back on target real quick. So number one, come to church. Number two, be on time. Psalm 100, excuse me, Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and to his court with praise and be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord God is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. You have no right to criticize the music department, the praise team, 
and you're 30 minutes late. I don't feel nothing in that church. I don't feel nothing. Ain't no anointing in the house. Well, you late, first of all. You should have been to church on time. And I've never been in the military, but to tell me in the military to be there on time is late. But to be there early is on time. So if you really want to feel the anointing, you ought to be here about 20 minutes before church starts. We're going to crank up some good music. It's going to be some faith-building music, some holy little hand-clapping music. And at 10 on the dot, excuse me, 9 on the dot right now for this season, we're going into the presence of the Lord together. That's our attitude. Now, you're not late on your job. You're not late on your job. No, you, no you're not. Even, even though you're at home, you're not late. You're still going to clock in and time in at a certain time because now even they outsmart you and they can tell on your computer when you clock in late or when you're on time. You may have your COVID uh, outfit on. In other words, you dressed up from the waist up, but you won't be on time. Now, here we are three years later, and you still can't come to church on time. Still can't come to rehearsals on time. Still can't come to the small group meeting on time. You can't do nothing on time but go to the, the, the convenience store and buy the lottery tickets before the time expires. I feel something happening in this house. Uh-huh. You won't be late for that, I see. No, no. You will lose this and lose that. If you late one more time, you are out of here. But in the church, you can be proverbial late for 30 years. Ain't no problem. That speaks of your attitude. Let me get this last one. I'll get out your way. Number three, prepare your worship to God before you come to church. I know this is elementary to some, but there may be a couple of folk online today who are saying, you know what, I never thought about it that way. You know, true worship doesn't start when you walk through the doors of the church. Because when you bring your praise and you bring your worship and you bring your thanksgiving and you bring your gifts, your skill sets, your talents, your tithes, your treasure. Now we can all go up before the Lord as the people of God are accustomed and worship. Listen, my promise to you is this. If you would ever take time to go back to the Old Testament, see how the people went to the temple to worship. They didn't just haphazardly walk up that mountain. They didn't just somehow haphazardly fall into the tabernacle. There was a mental, emotional, financial preparation. There was an attitude. I don't care if it was a bounce house this time last year. I don't care if the church was a school or the church facility was a funeral home. That mattered to me what was going on today. This is a place of God's abode. There's something about the sacredness of entering his presence with joy. So we prepare our worship before time. That is our tithe, our time, our talent, and our treasures. Notice these scriptures, and I'm finished. All of them come from Psalm. Psalm 66, listen closely. Just write them down, 13. I will go into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vow. In other words, I'm not going to wait to go to church and just try to figure out what I'm going to give to God today. I've already made up in my mind before I got to church. This is my honor, my commitment due to you. Now, whatever is beyond that is called a sacrifice. But something brought my mind to that I'm going somewhere different. I'm not going to a stadium. I'm not going to the mall. I'm not going to the school. I'm not going to the White House. I'm not going to the governor's mansion. I'm going to the house of God, and that's different. 
Number two, listen to this scripture. Psalm 116 and 18 and 19. 116, 18, 19. I will pay my vows to the Lord now and in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house. In the midst of you, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. What did the psalmist say? I have no problem being seen giving. I know we have this whole adage that says that you are not be given, you are not given to be seen, but you ought to be seen giving. There's a difference. You are not given to be seen, but I think from time to time you should be seen giving. You will not be a giver in this church if your pastor is not a giver. This church will never be a blessed, prosperous church under the leadership of pastors, elders, missionaries that are stingy, greedy, and do not have a revelation on generous giving. Okay? My late bishop, Bishop uh, Derek W. Hutchins, he said this in private and he said this publicly. He said, Dr. Stevens has been the most faithful leader in our organization. He has said that on several occasions. I'm one of only two others in that whole fellowship of 30 plus churches that gave every single month for the last three years a certain amount from the city church to that organization. And there were times where we didn't have it. There were times we had to wait. There were times we had to double up. But we made a promise and a conviction. You know why? Because I got to look at you all when I ask for sacrifices and to go deeper and to go beyond. And I don't want to hypocritically ask you to do something that I won't do. I grew up in a ministry at the age of 18 years of age under a man of God in Greensboro. I know what it's like. My wife will tell you, we, we and I, I hate, I'm not going to say roll the dice, but we walked by faith when it came to scraping the barrel. When it came to pledges and vows and commitments. And we're not even talking offering. We're not even talking, talking tithe is automatic. We don't even think about the tithe. That's automatic. Tithing for us is brushing teeth and putting deodorant on every day. We don't even think about the tithe. And you wonder why we're blessed? You wonder why we're still standing? I thought about that statement that man made to you. He was correct, but it wasn't the church's income. It was a consulting income. Well, how he knew, I don't know. How he knew, maybe it was court records, I don't know. But it wasn't the church's income. That was consulting for a month. So I, let me, I beg the difference. Say, God, now that I think about it, you were good to me. You've been good to me, and you're still good to me. Because God opens doors. He'll make ways out of no way. And all I'm trying to tell you, when you put him first, do you understand that? You're not under a leader or a pastor. This is no one of those hypocritical, duplicit atmospheres where we say one thing and you do a different thing. We have deacons in the church who count. Women who are bookkeepers and they see and they know the transparency of who does what. And isn't it no strange wonder the same nucleus of people who continually give, who continually sacrifice, they're always the same ones who continually get blessed. It's no secret to that. I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. I'm trying to help your 2023 be a better year because God wants to remove the lack. He wants to remove the debt. He wants to downsize the debt uh, elimination and debt cancellation. I know you owe 50000 but he'll, he'll bless you to settle for 10 cents on the dollar if you walk by faith and trust him. He'll cause your creditors to call you and say, hey, listen, we're trying to clear the books for the first quarter. I know you owe this, but can you just write a check for that, and we're going to sign something that says you're through. He has the way of bringing favor into your life. You're not due for a raise for another year, but for whatever reason, the board met, they met, the people came back, and the VP's in town, and baby, you up for a raise. Who, me? Yeah, you. God can do things just in your favor. All right? 
You come prepared. Psalm 27, 1, 2, two more scriptures I'm finished. Psalm 27, verse 4 through 7. One thing I desire from the Lord, that what I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. Do you hear that? Do you hear David talking now? One thing, he didn't ask for a car. He didn't ask for chariots. He didn't ask for a bigger mansion. He didn't ask for bigger this or that. He said, one thing, please hear me, please hear me, y'all. I'm almost finished. Please catch this, catch this, catch this, catch this. One thing the king desired, it wasn't to build a new uh, uh, kingdom. It wasn't to build a new castle. It wasn't to get another wife. One thing that I desired, it wasn't to find the fountain of youth so I could feel like I'm back in my 20s again and full of vitality and vibrancy and all. No, one thing I desired, and this is what I'm going to seek after that I may dwell, live, abide, make home in the house of God all of the days of my life. You know why? So I can see the beauty of the Lord and I can keep asking questions about him in the temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. Anybody ever felt like they need to be hid for a while from here? I don't know about you, but I have. God, just hide me. I can find, you are a strong tower, and the righteous run into, and the safe. Anybody thank God for the hiding of the Lord. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now that my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, therefore I will offer the sacrifice of joy in his house. I will sing. Listen to the king talking, y'all. I will sing, David says. And I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O ear, when I cry, hear my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. David understands a thing or two about how he wants the rest of his life to be. He's not been around the world. I've done it all. I got everything I could ever want. But here's how I wanted to go down and wrap it. I want to live in church for the rest of my natural life. The Bible says in the New Testament, Acts 13, 36, if not 39, David served his purposes and then he died. David served. He said, one thing I desire one thing that I will seek after, that I may live in the house of God, that I may dwell. I can be in their safety. You know, Paul understood that in the New Testament. Remember Paul? The Bible says in Paul's last days, he lived out of his own rent house. And he taught the word and preached to anybody who'd walk by to listen. That's all he did. That's all he did. 